Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters, and it is the second episode of the week, episode number 14, and I am so glad that you were able to join me once again. My thanks to Craig Custins, who was my guest earlier in the week, and today we have Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada, 31 Thoughts, the podcast and the column. Um, and so really appreciate the time that he was able to carve out for me and what is a busy time for him. A lot of TV, a lot of things going on. There's a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So my my thanks to Elliot for, for making the time. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation. We cover a great many things, including Jack Eichel going to, you know, the potential trade of, of Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres, what they're going to do. You've got Seth Jones as a, a potential trade chip. You know, we, Elliot reported earlier in the week that Dougie Hamilton uh, could potentially be available for a sign-in trade, which is something that's pretty rare. We talk about the possibility of that actually happening. Um, and I, you know, just really enjoyed some of the other things that we talked about. One of the things I, I asked Elliot about was some of the things about process and how he, how he operates, uh, not just in terms of, you know, journalism, but the way that he, um, you know, kind of reports with with a level of empathy and certainly when he's providing analysis he he's always thinking about you know kind of putting himself in the shoes of the person that's there and um I, I wanted to dive into that because I think that's pretty unique for somebody that's risen to his level um to to report that way um and and I thought that that would be something interesting for our listeners to hear so you'll hear a few things in this podcast that you haven't heard elsewhere from Elliot um, but obviously we wanted to get to some of the big newsy bits of the the current Situ- the current offseason for some of those teams that are already done. And yeah, there's just been a lot happening. So he, it was a great time to have him on. My thanks again to him for joining. So we're not going to waste a ton of time before we get to that interview, because also after that, I've got um, a couple of questions that, that listeners sent in that I wanted to spend some time on. So i uh, got some very in-depth answers. It's about, um, you know, certainly uh, Shane Wright, the 2022 number one. Uh, got a great question about him. 
And so I went in depth uh, in talking about Shane Wright, who is the projected number one pick for the 2022 draft. Um, Also talked a little bit about Owen Power and how he stacks up against previous drafts in 2019 and 2020. Um, It's always interesting to kind of uh, thought exercise to, to provide a little more context of where a player like him would slot in those previous drafts. And then also there was a, a question about you know the some other draft prospects for 2021. So you'll have to listen to that as well. So uh, don't want to waste too much time before we get to the interview with Elliot. But of course I have to go through my 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 every episode pitch, and that is please you know if you're new to this podcast, consider subscribing to it, rate and review it on the app of choice. Uh, it, it really does help a lot in terms of getting our podcast out to the masses. Um, and I say are, but it's really just me uh, I do this by myself, independent media operator. So I'm really reliant on the people that have supported the podcast and the website. And that is the next thing that I need to pitch is that if you are enjoying this podcast, you can get a lot more similar content at Hockey Sense with Chris Peters. And that's hockeysense.substack.com. A lot of NHL draft coverage, a lot of prospect coverage. Um, college hockey, Olympic hockey, USA hockey, um, international hockey, all of these different things. There's plenty to there for everybody. So please consider subscribing. That's $6 a month. And if you want to subscribe right now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this against my better judgment, just subscribe for the next two months, June and July, and you get all that great draft coverage that I, you know, from years of experience that I'm able to, to provide. And obviously we'll have a lot more coming in these coming months, including the final draft rankings. So if you want to know about this draft class, if you want to take a look inside, that will be a place to do it. And again, all it costs is six bucks a month. Otherwise you can go for the annual, which is $54. That saves you three months of the, uh, off the annual rate there or the monthly rate rather. So, uh, really excited to, to get into this draft, get it over with, honestly. I mean, it's been a tough year, <laughs> so looking forward to putting this one behind us, uh, but certainly a lot of work left to be done, a lot of content coming your way. And so please do subscribe to Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack, because that is the engine that drives the entire operation here. That is what uh, allows me to keep doing this because this is, uh, my full-time job now and I'm on my own and it's thrilling. It's scary, but, uh, I've gotten great support so far and it has allowed me to continue to do this. So I, I thank everybody that has signed up and signed on. And I really appreciate those of you that have let me know that you found the website through the podcast. So it means that, uh, this podcast is getting to, uh, you know, a, a wider audience as well. And if you guys can continue to help us expand, then we'll keep going. And, you know, we don't have ads yet, I won't add them if I don't have to, uh, but if somebody comes along and says, hey, we'd like to do that, well, yeah, I might do that, but more subscriptions would allow me uh, to, to not have to think about that. But either way, that's going to do it for this little intro because we got to get to a great guest and a great conversation. I'm so excited to bring it to you. Here is my interview with Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. Well, I could not be more excited to be joined by my next guest here on Talking Hockey Sense podcast. You watch him on Hockey Night in Canada. You read him in the 31 Thoughts column, and you listen to him on the 31 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick. He owns your eyeballs, your reading, your brain, and your ears. He is Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. And Elliot, thanks so much for joining the Talking Hockey Sense podcast. 
That all sounds disgusting. You're making me sound like an evil oligarch that I own all this stuff of people's. You know, as it was coming out, I was like, you know, I probably should rethink this phrasing here, but uh, that's we're it's too late. We're 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 just rolling now. So I've seen your wrestling promos, Chris. So I, I know that you I know you like to take it a little bit. That's right. I do. I do send it every now and again. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, well, Elliot, it's just a pleasure to have you on. I mean, there's so many different things that we can talk about, obviously the playoffs and it's actually just been a, a very newsy kind of couple of weeks here um, in terms of even more so beyond the hockey, if you will. And uh, you know, one of the things, obviously, you know, I'm a prospects guy by nature. It's one of the things that's most important and Buffalo is going to be one of the top stories, not only for the draft for having the number one pick, but also what's going on with Jack Eichel. And I know, you know, people can listen to this all the time on, on 31 thoughts uh, on the podcast and, and obviously listen to the reporting, but I mean, what is your sense of where things stand currently and, and how that might impact, you know, do we, if, if something's going to happen with Eichel, do we expect that to happen before the draft and, and kind of where, where is Kevin Adams head at at this point? I think something happens with Eichel. Like, you know, like you said, you're you're a prospects guy, Chris. I'm obviously I'm very familiar with your work. You know, I, I think they got to take power. Do you like oh yeah, hundred percent? Yeah. There, yeah. There's no I doubt. I don't watch mind. these guys yeah. enough, but after seeing the worlds, how could you not take that guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he is he is a special player, and I think that he's separated himself from the pack enough now where if you don't take the best player available, you're just going to be, re, you know, you're, you're going to be questioned for it. And, you know, they they have, you know, one of the, the former Chicago Steel uh, assistant GM is, is one of their scouts now. So it's like, oh, you know, so they, they're going to know him as well as anybody, um, you know, and, and I just think that you have Darlene and you have power. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good foundation to be at. So I, and I think teams, teams that build from the, from the net out and focus on defense, you got a pretty good place to start from there. So I agree. Like if I was in their shoes, I would take power. I think that, I think the best available player is the way to go in hockey. I'm not a very mm -hmm. positional guy. Like a lot of these guys take two or three years. So, you know, is, is what's Phil Esposito's old line. We could all be hit by a bus tomorrow. So yeah. necessarily <laughs> wait for three years, but I do think the Eichel thing, like a few teams have told me that they're hearing that Buffalo could end up with a second pick in the top 10. And I think Eichel and or Reinhardt is, is what we're talking about here. Um, you know, Reinhardt had a great year last year, the Eichel thing, I, everyone's trying to be really quiet. It, it got a lot more public than I think everybody wanted it to be. Right. So it's a bit harder to get information right now, but I think they're discussing the next phase of his recovery. And I definitely know they're talking to him about other teams. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And the teams I've kind of looked at are, you know, Anaheim, I think wants to do something big. That's a really high pick three Columbus, a couple spots lower. You know, we all know that they're long history looking for centers. And I think they've looked at Reinhardt in particular before and LA and, um, you know, uh, L.A., it's been reported by a really good reporter that they're not in on Eichel. Um, you know, if, if he's reporting that, John, then someone's yeah, John, yeah. that there. But, I, I, you know, since I've said that, there's a couple of teams who's like the Kings are totally full of it. Like, they're in it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they maybe don't want true. you to know. <laughs> I, you know, I first broke in covering basketball, and Isaiah Thomas, he always said, 
be careful around the draft because everybody lies. So yeah, I, it, I always assume that. Yeah, exactly. That's me too. It's funny when I start doing like mock drafts and everything, I was like, I'm just gonna have to fly blind on this one because I'm not gonna get a single honest answer if I if I want one. And and I can't blame them either. It's very important information out there, but somehow I, I some you know that's why you when you when most of us do mock drafts if we hit about 300 we're feeling pretty good about ourselves so <laughs> so um but you know and yeah I mean it's just it's it's kind of fascinating too and one of the one of the interesting things that also came out through your reporting this week is Dougie Hamilton and being a uh you know at least having the opportunity for his his representatives to talk to other teams about a potential you know sign and trade I mean it's not something we see very much but it seems like in this this tight cap world and certainly obviously with having an expansion team, seems like it, if, if it's going to happen, he would be one of the guys to have it happen for. And also it would make a lot of sense to do it now, just kind of in the current landscape of, of where things stand. So do you think we'll see that? Uh, sorry, in terms of what exactly? There, in there? terms of, do you think we'll see a sign, the, the, the potential of a sign in trade? Cause we don't really see oh, that very often. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't like, I don't know. I, I we haven't seen one yet. Um, you know, maybe this year, you know, some guys were telling me that they think I know there's a couple guys in the league who, whenever we bring up side and trades, they, they always laugh at us. They're like, would you guys stop? Like, these are just not <laughs> happening. But I wondered if it could be this year, because for one thing, I think Carolina is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, for another, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that the cap is tight, right? Right. And except for Seattle coming in who have no cap right now there might need to be some teams who do something like that to make Dougie Hamilton work. I I think it's more likely. And this is one thing here is that I think a lot of people out there, Chris are really paranoid about the cap this year. They're really worried. They're going to get squeezed. They say, you're going to see a lot of players get permission to talk to these teams. And and they believe that one of the things that's really going to happen is, you know, some of these players are going to go out there and they don't think it's going to happen with Hamilton. They, they think that Hamilton's going to be in a position where he's going to be able to command a pretty good number, but they might look at what their current teams are offering and say, you know what? My best situation is here, whether they don't get a better deal or that they look at the teams who give them better deals and say, that's not somewhere I want to go. Like I, I really mm-hmm. wonder New Jersey, they've been looking defensemen for a long time. Like, I, I think they're, it's been reported they've talked to Buffalo about Ristolani, and I think that's true. I think they've talked to Philly about Gostaspare. And, but I wonder, like, could they just say we're throwing the money at Dougie Hamilton? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a really interesting time, too, because you've also got, you got Dougie Hamilton out there. But then there's also this looming specter of Seth Jones as well uh, of, of where is, where is he going to go? What is possible for him? I mean, you know, you got two, of the elite right shot defenseman in the NHL. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, I, I don't know if you have any other additional thoughts on kind of what, what's going to happen with Seth Jones as well, but obviously as a, an American based podcast and somebody that's covered Seth for a long time, I'm, I'm personally fascinated by where he could go and, and what could be next for him. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's likely it's going to be a big stage. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, some people are built to handle those. I think Jones is one of those guys. He's For sure. He's not afraid uh, of the big stage. And, and I think he ends up in something like that. I've heard LA. I've heard Philly. Um, 
you know, I've heard he likes Chicago, but I don't see a deal really there for Chicago. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. If that's the case, maybe it's something where he tests it out in a year. I think you always have to wonder about a team like the Rangers, but they're going to have to extend Adam Fox at, at some point. But the two, two of the teams I've also heard are, are Dallas and Colorado, where he has personal right. connections to. Now, I don't think call I don't think Dallas can do it unless something goes out first. But you know, the thing about Colorado to me that's really interesting is that you know they're a disappointed team right now. Right. And I wonder if there's any way they would they could handle his number for next year. Mm -hmm. Like, do you take your chance and make a big deal for Seth Jones for one year to try to win the cup? Exactly. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, if you're in a rental situation and you're, and you're Colorado and you're saying we, we felt like we were a team that could do it this year, can that put us over the top? And I, he's such an interesting guy too, because I know that the analytics uh, crowd has, has been very rough on Seth Jones these last few weeks. And I, you know, and it's understandable. He had a tough season. It, it was not a good season and he had a bit of a decline, but at the same time, I, I think that the potential there for a team to add, you know, one of the top defensemen, a guy that can play both ways and, and, and really help you. It's it's going to be fascinating to see where, where he goes. But but one of the other things I wanted to, to kind of get into since I have you here, you know, one of the things that's always struck me about your reporting, I obviously followed you for a long time and, and followed your reporting for a long time. But as I've listened to the podcast, as I'm reading your columns, one of the things that really stands out to me that isn't necessarily very prevalent in journalism is it seems like a lot of your reporting, you you, you come from a place of empathy when you're talking about the players that you, the, especially when somebody's going through a particularly rough time, somebody had a bad season, a coach just got fired. You try to tell the story, but you also tell a bit of the human side of it as well. Um, you know, and you don't want to like pile on people when things, when, when everybody else is. So I just wonder, was that something that has always been there? Cause it seems like in our industry, that is a very rare commodity to, to you know, you're not giving them a free pass, but you're just, you're trying to empathize, which is a, a very human thing to do. <laughs> You know, well, first of all, I know what it's like to be on the other end of that. I've made mistakes before. And when we accept that when you go into this business, Chris, if you make mistakes, everybody's going to see them, right? Right. So, you know, I know what that's like. I understand uh, what that's like. My, so part of it is that. But even before I made some of the bigger mistakes in my career, which were more recent, um, I kind of was always like that. Like my, my family, the way they raised me, it was always like, you know, try to think about, try, you know, spend three minutes a day and try not to just think about yourself. <laughs> I, I, can be, I can be pretty self-absorbed, um, but just try to think about the other person and what they're going through and what what's going in their head. And I actually do think that helps you in reporting sometimes, Chris, is that you try to think, why would someone do this? Or why mm -hmm. would someone want this? So you try to put yourself in their shoes. Look, I think in this day and age, um, I think in this day and age, one of the things that kind of happens is you you're there and and you see someone has a bad day or someone yeah. makes a mistake and they just become that person on Twitter for that day. Right. And I, right. you know, even if what they do is is wrong, um like, oh, look, if you're trying to hurt someone and you get flamed, that's your problem. I'm never right. coming to the defense of that. But we, we see people who make honest mistakes. We, we see people who try to do something and it just doesn't work out. I know what that's like. Why pile on? Yeah. Why pile on? And I just know, like, when I've had a bad day or something, the people who try to understand and try to help you out, 
you feel really appreciative of them, right? For sure. So that's kind of the way I, I try to be, Chris. I think yeah. we all have lousy days. Yeah, absolutely. And But I also think that it, it, there is a, a nice tool that comes with that in that you're always thinking of fairness first when you're kind of in that, you know, what is this fair, what I'm doing? Is, is what I'm reporting fair? Is it accurate? Is it is it the way it is? So I think that that's important too, because it, there are a lot of us out there. And I just wonder, you know, you've obviously, you've had a, a rise to the top of, of, of the field in reporting. So I wonder, was it, was it always that way for you? Were you always, uh, you know, early in your career when, when you had to break big stories and, you know, you, you had, you're, you're trying to climb the ladder, you have to be ambitious, you have to do things like that. So I just wonder, um, you know, is it, has this kind of been a philosophy that's a through line through your career? Or is it something that you came to a little bit later? Well, I've tried. I think it's mm-hmm. a great question. I've tried. Um, you know, people warned me when I was first starting out, be careful of who you step on on the way up because they watch what happens when you fall back down. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I heard, I remember I was told one story about a guy who got fired, uh, who treated an, uh, uh, an employee really badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they were the boss and they went to another company and they got fired by that company and they went back to the previous company to see if they could get a job. And they found out that person was now in charge. And that person was like, I believe what actually happened, if I remember the story correctly, was they actually called, allowed that person to come meet them so they could tell them, I'm going to treat you the way you used to treat me in <laughs> his office. So, and first of all, oh. I, I, I didn't like that either. No, but, that's not the, it's the, no, it's the eye for the eye there. That's, uh, you yeah. know, I just, um, you know, I, I just, you know, I remember Glenn, Glenn Healy t- taught me something once. And he said, Glenn played in the NHL for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were times he was the number one guy. And there were times that he wasn't the number one guy. And one thing that, and, th- and there were times Glenn said that um, at the end of his career, he knew he got contracts that he probably didn't deserve, although he certainly wasn't going to be turning them down. Right. He said that he always understood when he lost something fairly, he said, there are going to be times when somebody beats you out and they beat you out on merit. They deserve to beat you. Now, what you have to do is fight like hell to make sure that doesn't happen too often, but you have to recognize when you lose and when fairly, and when you, when you lose where you could have done something a lot better. Yeah. And I just felt that way, you know, like Chris, don't be jealous of other people. Like life's hard enough if you're going to be jealous and you're going to be bitter. And I admit I've got a temper and there are some things that have happened in my life. I've been very slow to forgive other people for Yeah. But generally I try to be optimistic and I try to be friendly and I try to treat people as I would be treated and want to be treated. And I do try to help. Like there's, there's a bunch of people I work with now, if they're, whether they're younger than me or older than me or more experienced or not, I do try to be helpful. Like, you know, if I can give advice, I will give advice. And it's just the way I, I want to live. I, you know, I believe in karma. I believe if you treat people (laughs) well, generally good things happen to you. Yeah. I think, and I think that's such a great thing to do. And it, and it's, I've found, you know, 
all over in media, it's different, but generally in the hockey media, you find most people are that way and they want to help people. They want to, they want to give advice. They want to, you know, be supportive. And I, I think that's one of the great things about the community that we have. And, you know, obviously you, you know, you've been the kind enough to come out of this podcast and, and, and offer your time. And it's, it's great to, you know, we, we, we're really lucky in this business. There are so many people that are like that. Um, but it, it isn't the case everywhere. And I, I was just kind of, I wanted to get back into like, early career Elliot Friedman when you're, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, but at the same time, do you recall, you know, obviously you've broken hundreds, thousands of stories over your career. Do you recall the first big break that you had and what I it do. was? I tell yeah. this story all the time about yeah. how nervous I was. Yeah. That's, so that, that was my next question. How scary was it? <laughs> yeah. It was very scary. So the, I remember the first thing, the first time I did it, it was in, uh, it was in 1990. It must have been about 1995. And what it was, was the Raptors got a team in Toronto. I broke in covering the Raptors. And the arena that's now uh, Scotiabank Arena, where the Maple Leafs and the Raptors play, at that time was an old postal building in Toronto. It was the old post office building. And the Raptors had a plan to buy it and turn it into an arena and it was a turned out to be a great decision they did a great job with it but it was a historical site so they needed to go and get government permission okay so i found out they got it and i remember going on air and the this i was on radio at the time i worked at the fan and the main co-hosts were dan shulman and Jim Hunt, who's now deceased, but Jim was a legendary uh, reporter, newspaper, radio, and TV in Toronto. And so I told them I had the story and they invited me on and I was like shaking. I could barely talk. They could tell, like they were laughing. <laughs> and I remember at the end, Dan goes, congratulations, Elliot, great story. And I remember instead of saying my pleasure, I said, I was so nervous, Chris. I said, my problem. And everybody just started laughing. The producer was laughing. Uh, the guy who was the technical director running the board on the radio station, he was laughing. Uh, that was my first, you know, big story. And, um, you know, I don't remember a lot of my breaks, to be perfectly honest. I mm -hmm. think that if you get too much into, I did this, I did this, I did this, you lose focus. But I do remember, I do remember that one and how scared I was. Yeah. I mean, there's, there is a, there is a bit of a tightrope walk almost when you're, when you're reporting something, because you're, you're thinking of all the things it, it's such, it's such a, the, the way that the brain works, it's such an issue thing where you're just like, this is important. This is, this is, I know it's correct, but it's going to make maybe this guy mad or this person mad. And I'm going to have to ask their question. They're going to ask me who, how'd you get this, all this other stuff. And you, you, you psych yourself out, but then you, you just, you, obviously you're now you do it daily. You know, this is, this is the, this is the tightrope you walk daily, but at the same time, I mean, can, is there anything that you can recall in terms of like news breaking where you were outside of your first break, where you were particularly nervous and you, you felt, and, and once it was out and you knew that you had it, it you, the biggest sigh of relief maybe that you that you've had in uh i don't know recording. off the top of my head i don't remember that one but there were a few of them okay um there that has happened a few times where you you'll you'll report something and then there'll be people push back on you 
and you check with your sources and they're like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And then when it finally happens, you stop sweating. I know the, yeah. the Tavares one coming to Toronto, mm-hmm. that was a big one because I thought I had it and, you know, people weren't coming around to it. And finally we got it. And then it wasn't announced yet. It was, it was a real sweat. Like there's a yeah. few of those. It really happens. And, you know, the thing is you, you really hate to be wrong um, it just tears you apart really when it happens. I'll tell you the other thing too now is that one of the things that's changed, Chris, is I really like to tell people before I'm going to report something mm-hmm. and Twitter has changed that because you can't always do it. Right. You know, I love to give a heads up, but you can't always do it in this day and age. And if, you know, you ever hear that people read it on Twitter or hear it on Twitter, oh, it's, it's killer, but especially around trade deadline and free agency that happens. Right. It's just, it's, it's a, one of the unfortunate things of the trade, but yeah, I mean, I, I've had a few instances where I've had something and I, and somebody else told somebody and then it's all, it's somewhere else, you, you know, it's, it's the way it goes. But anyway, um, I'm not much of a newsbreaker myself, probably because I can't handle that pressure, but, <laughs> but either way, um, Elliot, you know, I, I just, before, before I let you go, I just wanted to kind of, you know, we're at a very interesting time in hockey media. And I asked a, another guest this as well, um, because obviously it's, things are changing in the U.S. in particular with ESPN, Turner. I feel like we're, we're at a real kind of flashpoint um, for the next steps of the NHL and maybe a chance to kind of take another step as a sport. Um, do you have that same sense and, and optimism that I do? And are there any things in particular that you're most interested to see in how these things change going forward with all of your experience in the media being what it is? You know, Chris, you know, one of the things I do a lot is I, I watch a lot. I can't watch it live, obviously, because I'm mm-hmm. on the air at the same time, but I watch a lot of clips from inside the NBA. Yeah, great And, show. and what they do, because <laughs> I, I think it's the best sports show ever. And I, I'll watch what they do and say, you know, how can I improve my own broadcasting? How can I make myself better? And how can we make ourselves better? And, you know, to be honest, I think the biggest problem is that I think there's a lot of things that the inside the NBA guys that I don't think would work in hockey. And I think we right. have to change. Um, you know, for, for example, I use this example actually a lot. You know, if you watch that show, you know, Charles Barkley does a segment called Who He Played For. <laughs> yeah, and so they the put, <laughs> you're not familiar with it. They put a guy on the screen and they say, Charles, who's this guy play for? And 95% of the time, he has no idea. And if we did that on Hockey Day in Canada, people would kill us. Yeah, you'd be out of a job. <laughs> they, they, like, how can you not know who this guy plays for? Yeah. And I think we have to bring some of that attitude to hockey. Now, it, it can't all just be stupid. I, I think there has to be, you, you can't go from serious to complete tomfoolery, but right. I, I think you have to have a purpose to your fun and you have to let the audience know they're in on the joke. Right. 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 I think that's very important. But one of the things that, um, um, you know, one of the things that I, I really believe is that, you know, TNT, when Jeff Zucker had that meeting with Gary Bettman, he said, we want to bring our inside the NBA coverage to the NHL. And Bettman says, we welcome it. And mm-hmm. I hope he's right. And I hope it happens because I think the NHL needs that. I think we need to be a little more unbuttoned. Right. And I think that's important. I, I, I really do. Like, for example, the other night, you know, when Austin Matthews was at the – 
So yeah, the, the UFC, UFC fight, yeah. yeah. With Bieber, I, I really think that should have been a bigger deal than it was. Now, a lot of people are making jokes at the expense of the Maple Leafs, which is fine. Like, that's right. part of being a fan. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think if that was, you know, if that was, say, Carmelo Anthony, or if that was, say, Dame Lillard, or if that was... You know, Kawhi, not that I don't think Kawhi would ever be there. That would have been all over the place, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I, I just thought it was Bieber walking in and there wasn't as much about Matthews is with him. And that's where we have to go. We have to understand that it's time to let down our collars and it's time to unbutton our shirts, maybe about three buttons. Right. And just, I know it's still a team game. It's the ultimate team game. I really believe that. But we have to understand the power of the individual. The youth are changing. There's different ways they want to consume this and want this marketed. And we have to accept that to some degree. Absolutely. And I, I think Austin Matthews very well could be one of the, the key players in making that happen. Um, and we'll see how that, that translates to the American media, him being uh, playing for a Canadian-based franchise. But I, I think that we're, we're at a really interesting point and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, you know, it's been great to... You know, kind of watch how it's gone in in Canada as well. You know, I I just think that, you know, we're at a time we're coming out of a pandemic. There's, you know, we know the cap is flat. It's going to stay close to flat for a few years. Mm -hmm. You know, we're at a point, Chris, where we've got to try new things, and I hope we do. I, you know, I I hope we, you know, you know, it goes back to what Glenn said. You know, I'm 50 now. I'm getting cl I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. And some, someday someone's going to beat me out of this job. And if they beat me out, honestly and fairly, tip of my cap. But I hope it, it's someone who, and I hope there's a, a bunch of people coming and I hope we can mix it. Some are maybe more serious like I am. Others are maybe more fun like Charles Barkley is. But I, I think there's an approach for everybody here. And um, that's, that's all I care about at the end of the day is... Um, you know, I've been hockey exclusive now for 18 years. I really appreciate all the time I have. I've learned so much about what makes a successful person. I've learned so much about myself. Um, you know, like uh, I feel very accepted uh, by the fans and the people in the business. I'm greatly appreciative of that. I think there's a lot of good here. I think we just need to, I think we just, like I said, I think we just need to be more, um, I just think we need to be more willing to take, you know, my, my, what did my parents always say? Don't dive into the shallow water. There could be rocks. <laughs> Screw it. Let's just dive into it. <laughs> I love, I love that mentality. That's a great place to leave it. And, and Elliot, I, I can't, can't thank you enough for coming on. I've obviously been a huge fan of your work and, and it's just great to, to be able to talk to you in, uh, in this setting as well. And, uh, well, I got a few more minutes. Is there anything else you wanted to oh, do? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, he's I got, I'm looking at the clock. I've got till 245. All right. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think the main thing for me that, that I'm just curious about now for, for you kind of watching as things happen in Canada, where we've got the Canadians are in the in the um, in the conference, well, whatever we're calling it now, the third round, if you will. Um, you know, it, it seems like the Canadian franchises in general even though we just went through this whole north division are coming back they're they're there you know toronto um you know vancouver still got a ways to go but we saw winnipeg we saw you know certainly um with with montreal and what they're doing right now now 
obviously it's different on the U S side, but I think it's hugely important for the NHL for these teams to be better. I mean, how much more fun is it for you to see more of these, these teams and, and are, are is your expectation that, you know, kind of the, the, the rising tides will float all boats in, in Canada and the U S and it'd be nice to actually see those teams compete for Stanley cups now. Well, you know, like, I think it's funny. I'm looking at Vegas right now. Mm-hmm. I think teams, I think what's going on in Vegas makes a lot of other teams crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good for the NHL. I think it's I really good for the NHL. You need like this thing with Tampa too, and the whole Kucherov thing, like people are mad. I think that's good for the NHL. I agree. You need some, you need some you hate. Yeah. You need some villains. You need some bad blood. You need. And, and I think that that's part of the drama of, of sports. And I think we need dynasties too. I, I think that there needs to be a rabbit that everybody has to chase. I, I prefer that over everybody's kind of the same. You know, I, I think that it's worked for basketball. It's worked for the NFL at times, you know, they're, they're bigger than they have ever been. And the, the Patriots keep winning Super Bowls every couple of years. So, I mean, I, I think that we need those types of things for the NHL to, to kind of reach that. And it's, it's tough to do because of the salary cap and all these other things, but we're getting there. I um, I'm with you. Like, we need, you need villains. You need the mm-hmm. Yankees. You yes. need the Lakers. Yes. You know, the Maple Leafs, you know, a lot of people were happy to pile on them this year. Fine. Um, when, when they win and the day will come eventually, then all their fans are going to dish it right back. You're right. But you need, you need villains. And like that thing with, uh, um, with, with the Predators where they said, uh, do we get a banner for this? And you know, here's your banner. No, this is why no one likes you. Like, I know like teams, like every time I say something nice about Vegas on the air, I get people who are like, this is not right. And this is not fair. And I said, look, I get it. You're entitled to feel how you want to feel, but this like, Chris, like, I, I think we need this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that there has to be emotion in sports and, and at, yeah, and all the piling on of the Maple Leafs and all that's all good too. It's all, it's all content. It's all content, baby. So uh, <laughs> we've got plenty of that. Yeah. 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 I, so, you know, the, the thing is like, I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, I wanted the Canadian division to stay, you know, mm-hmm. we were kind of joking the other night, Chris, about how it really ended with a thud. Um, a little bit, a little I, bit. I also think with the new US TV deal, I don't think that uh, ESPN and TNT would have been thrilled with one Canadian team guaranteeing right. a final four spot. So I, I don't think the NHL will ever admit that, but it's got to be a factor. I agree. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, I, I really look at it like, you know, I, I, I want to, I, I was happy to see the Islanders in Tampa play again. I'm happy to see Montreal and Vegas play. I think Seattle's great for the league. Um, I, I, I do like divisional playoffs because I think that creates more hate. But I, I'm really excited to, you know, like you live in the, you live in the state. Where do you live? Chris? I live in Iowa. Yeah, you live in the country. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now, are you guys open for business? We're we're open for business. We have, yeah, we're one of those states that was like whatever. Um, yeah, well, so, you know, yeah. like, look, I, I'm not going to knock it. I don't, I, yeah, I, like, yeah. you've been locked down for a long time. Yeah. I'm so jealous of, of when I see, and Hey, look, like there are, uh, like I, I had a medical professional once say, like, I hate when you say you wish we were open. And I said, look, I'm not trying to disrespect you. I thank you right. for the job you're doing. It's just, you know, you wish you were able to do more. I like, I, I just, I can't wait until 
we're crossing borders again. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to all those great cities in the NHL and I'm seeing all these teams, you know, Chris, I miss human contact going down right. to the rink and talking to players. Yeah. Me too. What happens again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't either. And I think that's going to be a big part of this kind of potential explosion for hockey is that you know, we're all back. We're all doing all those things again. And we've got new media deals. We've got all the, you know, we'll, we'll be able to be together again. I can't wait for that. I know you can't either. And I, I hope that, Things things turn around for Canada soon. I mean, you know, uh, it, we're getting there. We're I think we're well, all we're getting, getting there. We're all getting there, and uh, and and the best is yet to come. But but this was this was f- fantastic. Thank you so much for the time that you gave me. I mean, I I really really can't thank you enough for it. My pleasure, Chris, and good luck with the podcast, man. Keep up yeah. the work. Like yeah. like I saw you grinding. Like Chris, like keep like that's the thing. Like that's I'm no different than you. I grind every day. And I think anybody who is successful or tries to be successful, they grind every day. Keep grinding. The right people are always watching. Yeah, I lo- I, I've, I've always listened to that from you. And I'm always that's always in the back of my head as well. I think it's a great, great lesson and, and something I think about all the time. So I, I will. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> and, uh, and also, uh, you do the same and, and all the best going forward. And happy Father's Day as well. We're almost. Uh, yeah, how almost old is your son now? My son is eight and I have a five-year-old daughter. Oh, so I, I actually have. I didn't know you had. I didn't know you had a second. Yeah. yeah so I got another. Yeah. She, she doesn't get as much airtime because she doesn't play hockey. So. <laughs> and you know what? That makes her smarter. 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 She's a dancer <laughs> and a swimmer and that's fine by good. me. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but all the best to you and your family. And, and certainly we hope for the best in Canada going forward, but we're, we're almost there and, and we're going to stay positive. So, so all thanks right. again for, for joining Talking Hockey Sense, Elliot. Appreciate My pleasure, it. Chris. Take care, man. Once again, my thanks to Elliot Friedman for joining me on the podcast this week and in what is a busy week for him, certainly with all the TV that he's doing for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And there's a Canadian team in this stage of the postseason, which isn't necessarily going to happen a whole lot. Um, so it was great to have Elliot with us here uh, today and certainly appreciate his kind words at the end of the podcast. And And I think he's another great example of the quality of people that we do have in this industry. There are a lot of people that are willing to help, a lot of people that are willing to um, offer advice, uh, listening here. You know, I think that that's such an important thing and it really is something that helps the industry grow and get better when people at the top like Elliot, like Bob McKenzie, you know, and, and, and others who have been so gracious with their time with younger journalists, um, it, is, it is important. So uh, we really appreciate that from them. All right, well... As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we were going to get to some questions. You know, I think, again, anytime I'm going to do a podcast, if there's something that you want to know about and you want to hear it on the podcast, shoot me a note at HockeySenseWithCP at gmail.com. Um, that is uh, the easiest email to get me at for this podcast. Or you can hit me up at Twitter at Chris M. Peters, and I will answer your questions. I've got questions from... Uh, subscribers from my website and also people that follow me on Twitter and listeners of this podcast. And if you are a subscriber to Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack, you can also ask questions in the comments section like our first questioner today, Chris Berberian, who is a new subscriber to Hockey Sense. And Chris, we thank you for doing that. And and he asked a question in our last Q&A but came back as a uh, you know a concerned Sabres fan, and I am always glad to to help out. We're gonna be talking a lot, Sabres fans, you and me. We're gonna get to know each other real well in these next couple of weeks as we lead up to the draft. But here's what Chris Pierberian had to ask: Hey, Chris, beautiful name by the way. Thank you very much. I'm a new subscriber and loving your work. 
the work you put out. As a Sabres fan grappling with a seemingly inevitable Eichel trade, I had a question about the 2022 draft. How would you compare Shane Wright to Eichel in terms of pre-draft hype and differences in skill set and style? Would love to hear your perspective. Sorry for the rather lengthy and weighted question. Well, it is perfectly fine to ask lengthy and weighted questions, and I like questions that make me think, and this one certainly did because I think Shane Wright is a special, special talent. He is a player that is going to have, you know, he's, he's got future star written all over him. Now, the problem is, is that he didn't have anywhere to play this year. He did not go overseas. He did not play. Uh, the OHL never started. He didn't go anywhere else. And so the only games that he played were at the World Under-18 Championship. So he had, a, you know, basically a pre-tournament game and five live games. So this is a guy that's played six total hockey games this season. However... In the five that he played in the tournament, because he did miss two games with an injury, he had 14 points. And that is the highest points per game percentage of a U17 player in the history of this tournament. 2.8 points per game. And you look at the guys that, that have you know higher raw points. Alexander Ovechkin, Matvey Mitchkov in this last one, this last tournament. Uh, Patrick O'Sullivan. And those, both Ovechkin and O'Sullivan had eight games played whereas Wright only had f five. And so he had 2.8 points per game. The second closest to him was Mikhail Grigorenko, who was an absolute beast at the 2011 Under-18 World Championship, playing on a line with Nail Yakupov and Nikita Kucherov. And at the time, you would have been hard-pressed to find anyone that would have believed that Nikita Kucherov, even though he was the guy that, that uh, had 21 points in the tournament, not many people believe that he was going to be the best NHLer of those three players, and he is the only NHLer of those players as Grigorenko is going back to the KHL. But getting back to Shane Wright, and specifically to Jack Eichel and, and that situation, so I think in terms of pre-draft hype, you know, Eichel was a... He, his was muted because he was in the same draft class as Connor McDavid, of course. But I think, you know, we have to look back at that year and McDavid was insane, but Eichel was insane as well. He had the best freshman season in college hockey since Paul Correa in the early nineties. Um, a dominant player, one of the most incredible individual performances I've seen from a freshman essentially got BU to the national championship game where they unfortunately lost. But I mean, he was a difference maker. So the hype was warranted. And I think that Shane Wright's going to come into next season with even a little bit more hype. I look at the other top prospects in his draft class. And even though he didn't play this season, what we saw at the World Under-18 Championship was so impressive. And he was my vote for MVP of the tournament. Even though, you know, he missed two games. But in the five that he played, he had points and was incredible. Nine goals as well. So, I mean, he's such an impact player. So, you know, he missed this season. We wonder what that does for his development. We saw at the World Under 18s that he played well. And he was injured, too. He, he revealed on the 31 Thoughts podcast with, with Elliot and, and Jeff Merrick that, you know, he's playing through uh, injury, a uh, fractured ankle or foot. I can't, can't, you know, he was basically going through that. He, he, he got sick during the tournament, didn't get coronavirus, thankfully, but was sick with something else and had to play through illness. So, you know, he did all of that and was still outstanding. Now he did a lot of damage on the power play, but at five on five, he was dominant. I mean, he's just, you know, his, his skating, his skill, his hockey intelligence, just the, the IQ is so high, his anticipation ability, his competitiveness. I mean, he has all of those things that you need 
plus a good solid frame with good physical strength. And you look back at what he did last year, since we don't have a season of data uh, from the 2020-21 season outside of the five games at the World Under-18 Championship, you know, he, he was sensational at the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge. We had seven points in five games there. But really, over the course of the OHL season, he had one of the most impressive seasons for a guy, you know, among the exceptional status players. So just like John Tavares, like um, like Aaron Ekblad, like uh, Connor McDavid, Shane Wright was an exceptional status player. So you look at what he did in his, you know, essentially his U16 season in the OHL. And it's just, you know, one of those, there aren't many guys that have, have done it um, and done it as well. But, you know, you look at his total stats and Tavares is the gold standard for the U16 players. He had 77 points in that first season that he played in the OHL. But look at Shane Wright. Not that far behind. 66 points in 58 games, 1.14 points per game. That is a higher points per game percentage than Connor McDavid had in his rookie season uh, at the same age. So, I mean, you're looking at one of the truly great young talents. And Kingston was a team that, that didn't have a ton of depth. So he had to really take a huge step forward um, in, in, and kind of will that team through. And so 39 goals, which is the second most ever by a player his age, it's 14 more than Connor McDavid had at the same age. It's uh, six less than John Tavares had in his um, in his his rookie season as an exceptional status player, where he had those 77 points. So we're talking Shane Wright is a special, special, special talent, um, and he will be the number one guy. I've you know the guys that are around him, I think that you know could potentially compete for number one have have not risen to the same level that he has. I'm talking Brad Lambert, Matthew Savoy. Um, also, you know, Ivan Roshnashenko is a guy that you're going to need to know about. Danila Yurov, two really quality Russians that I think could be top 10 picks next year. Um, I think that Wright is so far in a class of his own that, you know, you've got to feel pretty good about it. So in terms of, of how he compares to Eichel, I think it's, you know, similar build. Um, I think they have very similar tendencies. I think Wright has a little bit of, um, you know, the skating stride is different. He's not quite as big as Eichel, but he's, I, I think he's as strong, if not stronger at the same age. And, you know, you look at what Jack Eichel did as a U17 in the World Under-18 Championship, and it's not even close to what uh, what Shane Wright did in the, in the U17 Championship or U18 Championship as well. So, um, you know, I think he's a little bit ahead of where Jack was at the same age in a lot of ways. And I think that he, you know, projects favorably to be as good, if not better. And when we're talking about, you know, a top 10 center in the NHL, when Jack Eichel is healthy, he is that good. And I think Shane Wright is on that trajectory as, as we've seen so far from his game. So that's a long explanation, but Shane Wright is a name that you need to get familiar with for the 2022 draft. Um, we're obviously hopeful that the OHL season is going to happen. I know that his representatives have been doing their due diligence to find alternatives in the event that the OHL is delayed, or if they are not going to get off the ground quite what the way that they expect to, um, we expect that they will be able to do that. But if not, Shane Wright's going to play somewhere next year and he is going to be a must watch player. Certainly, um, for the sake of the OHL, we hope it's there. We hope it's at Kingston. 
If not, maybe there's a chance he comes to the USHL or goes to Europe or something of that nature. But he is a special talent that, you know, get excited about. And unfortunately, if you're the Buffalo Sabres, you say, well, we got the number one pick this year. Yeah, got it this year, but would have been nice to have it next year. And and that's not to knock Owen Power, who I think is going to be a very good NHL player. But Shane Wright is is something special. All right. Moving on, and this was a really interesting question from Twitter, and it's at MVP96, and he asked me, where does Owen Power go in a 2019 redraft? Which, these questions always get the juices flowing a little bit differently, because you have to think, obviously, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight for the 2019 draft. We have extra years of data on players compared to what we had at the time. Um, obviously, with Owen Power, we don't have that. And I did want to go back and clarify and just make sure that he, he meant 2019, which is the Jack Hughes draft. Um, and that presents a very different situation because that draft was very deep by comparison to this draft. I think that that first round is going to go down as a very special first round. You look at some of the guys that went in the second half of the draft, uh, the first round, you know, where it's Cole Caulfield at 15, Alex Newhook. Um, guys that have already played, Vili Hanola, who played NHL games, Tobias Bjornfoot, Connor, Connor McMichael, Nolan Foot. I mean, those are guys that went late in that first round. And, you know, the top 10 is one Jack Hughes, two Capo Caco, three Kirby Doc, four Bowen Byram, five Alex Turcotte, six Mort Sider, seven Dylan Cousins, eight Philip Broberg, nine Trevor Zegers, and 10 Vasily Podkolzin. So a really good top 10 there, but you don't have, you know, Matt Boldy or Spencer Knight, Cole Caulfield, Oxenhook, guys that we mentioned. So you're already up against it. And as I look at this draft, and, you know, I think the top three, I'm not going to change. we got two NHL players. I think both Jack Hughes and Capo Caco are coming into their own. It's taking time. Kirby Doc is, you know, on a, an upward trajectory. You know, I think that Bowen Byram is going to be an exceptional defenseman. Um, Moritz Sider is one of the top in the game. So, you know, if we're looking at this, as I see it now, looking at that top 10, I'd be moving guys like Cole Caulfield and Alex Newhook closer to it. Trevor Zegers would move up. Matt Boldy could potentially move up. Spencer Knight as well. So if we're actually doing a 2019 redraft, I, Owen Power is coming in at the back half of the top 10. And that's, again, that's with the benefit of hindsight. I'm using the data that I know now in a redraft. If we were using the data at the time, I think he would be a top five guy, you know, based on what my feel for the class was. Um, but, you know, guys that that outperformed my expectations, Moritz Sider, for sure. Um, you know, I think even Spencer Knight, to a certain degree. So... You know, there are guys that, that have performed. So it's a really tough thing to do. But so basically the long and short of it is if I'm doing a redraft of 2019 right now and I'm putting Owen Power into it, I still believe that he is a top 10 talent in that group, but it's like nine or 10. Um, and, and so that's that's where it's at. So another thing I wanted to do just because we're on the redraft thing and, and redrafts, you know, they're easy to do with the benefit of hindsight, you know, and, and that's. It's fun. Scouts hate it. I hear all the time from them that they're like, come on, that's not really fair. And I was like, you're right. But it's also fun to look at because it's, it, you know, 
it's not saying that they did their job wrong or poorly. It's just saying that these players outpace the expectations of the industry. And so it's not really, you know, we, we say this all the time that scouts are wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, that happens. But at the same time, you have to think about how much work those players put in to get there. And do people get wrong reads on players all the time? It's an inexact science. It's the way that it goes. And there have been times where even the, the statistical profile is, is misleading for players. And so, you know, you have to take all that into account. But I think scouts, by and large, are doing a really good job of ordering the players appropriately and getting the right selections. And, you know, we don't see many first round misses anymore. We don't see many guys that, you know, vastly outpace their selection or draft slot. Um, you know, there's always those outliers like a Nikita Kucherov is a second rounder or, you know, Jamie Ben, who's a fifth rounder. You know, th those guys happen all the time. There have been plenty of undrafted players as well. But that just shows that de development is not a, a straight line. It's not something that you can predict with any amount of ease. But it is it is fun to watch. So I also want to do the 2020 draft because I think Owen Power, you know, does a little more favorably in this draft. However, I still think that the top 10 of last year's draft is so much better than this year's top 10 that, you know, it, it's still he's not going to be in that top tier. So Alexi Lafreniere, of course, went number one. Quentin Byfield went number two. Tim Stutzla went number three. I wouldn't change it, even knowing what I know about Stutzla now. I, I still have a, a lot of belief in Quentin Byfield's overall upside. I think that one, two, three went just as it should, and it stays that way for me personally. I still would have Lucas Raymond at number four. You know, I had Cole Perfetti going into the draft season a little bit higher than than Raymond. I've since you know flip flopped them. I've also moved Jake Sanderson up based on what I've seen over the course of the year, and Jamie Drysdale as well. So I would actually have Owen Power right around those two players. And I, I I can't tell you right now, it's really tough for me to say I would put Owen Power over Jake Sanderson at the moment. I think there's a there, I think there's a, a higher upside and a higher potential for for um Owen Power. However, Jake Sanderson is one of the elite skaters and just tremendous all-around defenseman. I think he's gonna play and be a top pairing defenseman for the for a long long time as I believe Owen Power will so you know I think if we just give Power a little bit more ceiling he just comes in so that puts him at number five in that draft class in the 2020 draft class and number one this year and again this is not to knock Owen Power because I really do feel that he is going to be a difference making player is he going to be a cornerstone defenseman that is part of a franchise for for years and years it's possible I think that that's his ceiling I think that he's a guy that is going to be a top pairing guy he is an incredibly smart player I think if he handles his development properly and the team that he ends up on has a chance to to be more competitive he's going to be a lot better so I think that that's going to be really interesting to watch but I'm telling you right now Jake Sanderson Jamie Drysdale those two guys have have met or exceeded expectations all season long, um, and, and I am not at all surprised to see how well Jamie Drysdale played at the NHL level, how he did at the AHL level this year, and then certainly Jake Sanderson, one of the most dominant defensemen in college hockey, um, towards the end of the season. He got he started uh, fine, but he was dominant by the end of the season, and I really do believe that he will be um, very similar to Owen Power if Owen Power chooses to go back to Michigan. 
you know, two defensemen that'll be all Americans and, and guys that'll make a, a significant impact in the NCAA next season. And I think it's admirable that Jake Sanderson decided let's take that extra year. And I think that's one of the, another reason, another example of why Owen Power should take that extra year, as he did say he is currently leaning in an interview with NHL Network. So um, we'll see where Owen Power goes, but I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. And I, I think it's a great question. It's always fun to do those redrafts. And even though he doesn't slot necessarily favorably in the previous two drafts, based on all of the information we've built up since those drafts, it certainly doesn't mean that he is not going to be of a top quality, top prospect ca caliber, because I do believe he is. I think he's the clear number one in this class. And it is a weaker class, but that's still, um, you want to make sure that you have a, a difference-making player. And that's what I think he'll be. All right, this next one comes from at NJ Villain. Question for your pod. Which of the D-men do you see having the highest offensive upside in the 2021 draft? And there's also another question. And also, how would you rank the big Swedish forwards from this draft and last as having the biggest NHL potential impact? Raymond, Holtz, and Eklund. All right, so let's start with the first part of that question. And in terms of the defensemen that have the highest upside offensively, to me, I think it's pretty clear it's Brent Clark. Um, he is the most skilled. I think he has the most dynamic hand skills, best passer, um, certainly a good shot, you know, does a lot of things well. I think the the, the reason that you know I've been hesitant on him and, and others have as well is because of his skating. Um, there have been plenty of questions about, you know, an awkward skating stride, a lack of explosiveness. You know, I think he's actually, you know, in terms of lateral movement, pretty good. I think his edge work is fine. He has good change of direction, um, but, you know, lacks that that burst, which I think, you know, he's continuing to work on. But it's one of those things that, you know, when you compare it to, say, a Luke Hughes, that's a separating factor. And, and Hughes has, you know, doesn't have the, the hands or the dynamic offensive sense necessarily as Clark, but that's a separating factor. So, Brand Clark to me, you know, he does the thing about his skill is that it makes up for some of those deficiencies. I think with his skating, if he didn't have the skill that he does, he's not a top ten prospect for me, um, and he is in this case. He's he's a guy that I think will go high in this draft. He's a guy that I think deserves to go high in the draft because of that high end offensive sense, good hands, good lateral mobility, um, and, and then you know if he can continue to work on that skating stride, get a little bit more explosiveness, have some good short distance quickness as well, which I think is really important um, for a defenseman in terms of closing gaps and and, and closing on pucks. Um, that's going to help a lot because I think his defensive game is fine, but it, you know, it's his offensive game that, that, you know, we rave about and deservingly so because he, he sees the ice well. And, and what I say about guys that, that don't move particularly, you know, explosively in terms of skating like, you know, how do they move the puck? How fast do they process the game? Are they able to play fast without being fast? And I think that that's something that Brent Clark can do and has done. And so, um, you know, that's where that, that dynamic skill set really comes into play. The next question is about the Swedish forwards. And of course, last year we had the Terra Twins, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz go in the top 10. William Eklund looking very like, very much like he's going to go in the top 10 this year. And Played with Alexander Holtz, often on the same line this season. So that's uh, certainly a feather in his cap for, for his young career. But you, know, you look at the, the season that William Eklund had, and we'll talk about him first before we get into where he slots in with the other guys. But you know, played at Jew Garden this year, 40 games in the SHL, 23 points, rookie of the year, you know, 11 goals. 
unfortunately had to miss the World Juniors and the Men's World Championship, you know, which would have been great opportunities for him to kind of showcase what he can do. Um, and, you know, I, I like his overall versatility. I think that he has good skill. He has a good work ethic. I think he plays in all zones. You know, to be a 17-year-old for most of, or, you know, to have been a um, an 18-year-old, rather, sorry, uh, to have played so, so much in the Swedish Hockey League where he's a top-line player. And, you know, he played 20 games in the SHL last year, which is a, a good experience. Only had two assists, but, you know, he doubles that, doubles that games played this year and then has 21 more points than he did and, and showed that that experience really helped. And he was a really great U20 player last season, um, you know, and then didn't have a world under 18 championship to, to have that last showcase as a, as an overage player to kind of put him on track to be a top guy in this year's draft, but he did it anyway with his play this season. So clutch score. I think he's had a lot of big goals. Um, you know, he's, he's involved, the thing is, is that he's young, but he's played in big time situations. He would be out there for overtimes. He'd be out there at the end of games. He's out there when his team needs a goal. Um, and that matters quite a bit. I think, you know, for him to have been such a, a key offensive player for his team, you know, he ended up finishing seventh on the roster um, in terms of scoring, but he actually finished ahead of Alexander Holtz, who had a, a so-so season. And as I look at that now, I, I do think that there is – a tiny bit of separation between Eklund and Holtz at this point. Uh, I think that Holtz is the better scorer. He, he, you know, even though he had fewer goals this season, um, I think that he has an elite shot and elite scoring sense, and and will be a, a top end player. You know, he got into some AHL games at the end of the season and you know performed well. Um, I think he's a really impressive player. For me, you know, I think that Eklund. He doesn't have the size of, of Holtz as well or the strength at this point. So those are another thing. You know, if he continues to get stronger, that's going to help. Uh, but for me right now, it would go Raymond, Eklund, Holtz, with the last two being pretty close. I actually think that Lucas Raymond, in terms of pure upside and offensive potential, um, is, is the guy that will make a larger impact. Of course, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings, you know, these guys are all three 2002 born players. So the future of Swedish hockey is very bright with these guys. The one thing that they need right now is a center because these guys are all wings and Sweden hasn't been uh, producing centers uh, with, with great regularity in these last couple of drafts compared to how they have been. And, you know, even you look at some of the other guys at the other Swedes in this draft, Oscar Olsson and, and, and Fabian Lucelle, um, you know, guys that are not looking like they're they're going to be centers you know they're they're more going to be wingers so uh interestingly enough obviously there's Elias Pettersson and other guys that have already you know that, that are in the NHL they have a good well of of players but you know the next generation that is one position that we're seeing the Swedish hockey uh teams are don't have have quite the same the same quality there so uh but yeah but I think if you are drafting in the top five you have to seriously consider William Eklund. I think he is, you know, outside of Matty Beneers for me at this point is the, uh, you know, he's the number two forward in this draft as far as I'm concerned. Um, I do think that Lucas Raymond will be a better player long term. I do think that, you know, William Eklund will have a similar offensive trajectory as an Alexander Holtz. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, to think that how much we hyped up Holtz and Raymond and rightfully so to think that Eklund is right in that class with them. Um, is is pretty pretty special for Eklund. I, I think that he's a guy that that's going to make an NHL team very happy if they select him. And you know, I could see him going quite early in the draft. All right, so I spent so much time on those questions. 
that's going to do it for, for the question and answer. But as I mentioned, if you ever have anything that you want to ask, you want to hear it on the podcast, you want to hear me go in depth as I just did, all you got to do is send an email to hockeysensewithcp at gmail.com. You know, just put talking hockey sense question in the, in the subject line. I'll make sure that I get to it. Um, I try to answer every single question that I get. Um, obviously, I can't get to all of them, but as, as you know, as, as I go forward, certainly want to try and answer those questions. I've gotten so many great ones, and, and these three in particular, I wanted to spend a lot of time on because I thought they were fun to kind of get into, and so we did. All right, so that's a, basically it for this episode, but before we go, of course, I just want to remind you that you know, subscribe if you haven't yet to this podcast. If this is your first time listening, go back and listen to some of the others. We had so many great guests. You know, Ryan S. Clark from The Athletic who covers the Seattle Kraken. Pete Blackburn, who's now at Bally Sports. You know, guys, that, you know, we just had Craig Custance this week. Bob McKenzie was the first guest on the podcast. My fellow draft uh, colleague, draft writer, colleague, and close friend, Corey Promen was an early guest as well. Emily Kaplan and Marissa and Jemmy. I mean, we cover so many different topics. And we will be getting some more you know, hockey players, coaches, and others to talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of, of the hockey world. But I've been so thankful for so many friends in the media to offer unique insights in both the sport, what's going on right now, the things that they're covering, and then also uh, some of their career paths and different things that they've learned over the course of the years. And, and as I've said before, you don't have to be in the same field as people to learn from them, from what they've done in their careers. And, and it's, you know, obviously in the journalism field, it's a, it's a tough business. There's a lot going on for people that, that I've invited on the show. You know, they've had to work really hard for, for to get where they were. And so I think there are a lot of lessons that, that can be taken from all of those people. And uh, I'm so appreciative to the guests that I've had and certainly Elliot today with such a, a phenomenal uh, uh, segment that we were able to do and certainly follow his work wherever it is. You already do anyway. I already know. If, you, if you're if you in a hockey, you're already following it. So, uh, but yeah, but aside from that, also as a, another last, last minute reminder, if you want to support this podcast there, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, subscribe, rate, review, that helps a lot, but to financially support this podcast, you can go to Hockey Sense with Chris Peters. That's hockeysense.substack.com. That is where I do all of my written work, and that is the engine that drives the media bus for me because this is what I'm doing full-time now. It's how I'm able to continue doing it. So if you like the content that you're hearing here, go support that website as well. You'll get a lot of NHL draft and prospect content. Um, I have NHL awards picks up there now. I have all different sorts of things that I like to cover. You know, we went into USA Hockey's numbers after the pandemic. So all sorts of different topics that we're going to cover. And certainly as the NHL draft approaches, definitely get on there because it, it, all it takes is six bucks a month and that gets you access to all of the draft coverage. If you want to go $54 a year, that saves you three months off of the annual fee. And then there are other options as well for you to pick at, at, at your comfort level. So uh, I am just so appreciative of everybody that has reached out for questions that have read the site, that have listened to the podcast. We are just growing every single week and it's all because of all of you. So I thank you for that support. It means a lot to me. And with all that said, it's time for me to go. Two podcasts week in the books. We'll try to be back with our normal schedule next week and another guest and much, much more. And don't forget to continue to send in your questions. I will answer as many as I can on every single podcast episode. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me. I'm Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense, and we'll catch you next time.